live in Summerlin from the Rampart Race and Sportsbook. It's Cofield and Company. Now Wallach gets knocked down, loses the ball. It goes to Sandu. Jackie Johnson steals the pass. He shoots a three and he hits it. Jackie shoots a long three of his own and he hits it. So Jackie Johnson answers Woods. 56-53 on a couple of long threes by Johnson. Woods has it knocked away by Parkett. It goes to Rodriguez. Rodriguez down the right side for the slam dunk. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Rampart Casino Racing Sportsbook. Adam Hill is here as the company, and he's helping out with the controls back in the Finley Toyota Studios. It's Ari. Drawing pains last night. Exhibition tour in Canada for the Running Rebels. They lose to uh, UBC. They're back at it tonight. We'll have the pregame with John Sandler and Curtis Terry here. The call there from Learfield. Pregame tonight, 645. Tip is 7 as they get right back at it. Football season right around the corner. NFL season right around the corner. Starting on September 8th at the Rampart. The beer specials kick in. $2 draft beers, Bud Light, Mango Cart, McUltra. That's every NFL game. $3 bottles, $15 buckets. Uh, you also place a parlay, 50 bucks or higher. Dwayne Colucci, the boss at the book, is going to buy you lunch, dinner, whatever. Get free food at the deli, chicken fingers, hamburger, or a hot dog with fries. That's a parlay wager, parlay card wager, uh, 50 bucks or more. Big five time. Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. All right, so we just started to get into weird discussion about communication with players and how relationships can get frayed. We were talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. We were also talking about Robin Leonard. I saw someone tweet out uh, the other day that they thought there were about five or six teams might waive a goaltender who could actually serve as a better backup option to Logan Thompson than the Knights have right now. Do you buy that? I think it's, it's certainly possible. Uh, I mean, the the depth that the Knights have right now is obviously not great. So I think there's certainly going to be potential of having guys that are waived. There also might be the possibility of, you know, being able to, to trade for somebody before they're waived for a late-round pick. Or so, I mean, you know, we just saw the Raiders yesterday make a trade basically instead of cutting somebody, made a trade, just gave away for a, a conditional seventh pick two years down the road. Like, it's the kind of thing that could potentially happen – uh, convince a team not to cut somebody that they might have cut otherwise, uh, take somebody off their hands. You don't have to even try to fight through the, fight for them on waivers. Uh, those sorts of things are possible. It's just it's just a matter of scouring the market, seeing who might be available, seeing who might you know might have fallen out of favor. Maybe there's a third option on a team that you think is you know more than capable of being a number two option and, and making that kind of move. Number four. So I mentioned Garoppolo. It's been a weird freezing out. I don't know who started it between the Niners and Jimmy G. Clearly San Fran and Little Shanny and John Lynch are just waiting for something to happen in the NFL quarterback situation so they can get something for Garoppolo. Otherwise, they're going to have to release him, I would guess, right before the season. Is there a little bit of bashing now going on on Jimmy G.? With a couple of recent stories? Yeah, and I think oftentimes, you know, when you see a story, you know exactly where it's coming from. 
oh, I know who's I know who's putting this story out. It's a player's agent who's trying to boost his value, or hey, it's a team who's trying to send a message, or a team going to drive up or drive down a value for whatever reason. This one's weird because the 49ers are obviously trying to shop Jimmy Garoppolo. There's a story that has surfaced that you would have thought leaked from the 49ers just because it's a total hit job on Jimmy Garoppolo. But what purpose would they have for doing this right now? It doesn't make any sense. So is it another team that wants to trade for Garoppolo that leaked something out? Maybe like a former somebody who's formerly with the organization or who formerly worked with Garoppolo that's trying to drive his value down? That's possible. But the so, story so is So who is that? No I mean it could be the Texans. Could be could be anyone. It, it could I mean it could be Mike McDaniel in and with the with the Dolphins now? That would make sense. 49ers? That would make sense. Because it is a Bay Area writer who wrote the story, right? Could it be the Jets? Okay. Salah came from the 49ers as well. So what's the story? So basically it's that Jimmy Garoppolo has a habit of just going missing. And when we say going missing, literally, after he signed his big contract with the 49ers, they had this big, and this is where the story begins, this big press conference Hey, Jimmy Garoppolo is re-upped five years, $135 million. This is awesome. And then nobody knew where he was. And a couple weeks went by and they said, where, where's Jimmy? Shouldn't he be like in the facility working after he just signed this big deal? Can't find him? At times they have, according to this story, sent employees to his house to knock on the door and make sure he's alive. This is a weird story. Uh, so maybe I nailed it like minutes ago when I tied together Jimmy G and Robin Leonard. I don't think it ever got that bad with Leonard, but no, um, it's strange. But it, it is. But there is a nature here, like the kind of the out of touch from the organization, where you're like, okay, we don't know what's going on, and we've got a big investment. Yeah, or were the 49ers, like, were they so overbearing that he's like, I just gotta, I gotta get out of here for a minute. Who you know, knows? That, that's actually a good point too. Yeah, who knows. I, I don't I don't know again, I don't know what's, where this story's coming. Nobody has ever I've never heard anything like this before about Garoppolo. What's the word on Little Shanny? Is he a lunatic? I haven't really heard that necessarily. It it's a it's just such a bizarre story. And again, I coming from a media perspective, oftentimes when I'm reading a story, I'm trying to figure okay, they got this from here, this is where they got this from. Obviously this is the source because of this, and they're trying to you know, they got a story from this angle, and they're trying to, you know, somebody's trying to sell this narrative. I have no idea. It'd be, it would be an awesome Browns plant so that they don't have to trade anything for him. That the, the market just gets soured so much that two weeks from now, Niners are like, all right, we would, give up. Would he want to, doesn't he want to go somewhere where he'll play? Not six games? I don't, I don't think your guy, Deshaun's coming back in six games. Like eight. I don't think he's coming back in eight. I do. You do? Yeah, I mean, it says it sounds like they're close to a settlement in the next you know, 20, 36 hours. Really? And that's why the appeal is being delayed? Yeah. So, I mean, who knows? They, the NFL would settle for eight. Wow. Well, if what if they got word that they were going to lose the, the appeal? They're not losing the appeal. What if, I mean, what if they got that word? I know. It sounds like in the last day they've decided that they want to go back to the negotiating table. Wow, okay. So they might have got some bad news. Who knows? Or they could have got news it was 10. And they're like, well, let's just 
let's just go ahead and make this aid, or let's try to figure out a way to to save some sort of face and not have this go to a all the way to a hearing. Number three, Hard Knocks, Hard Knocks Wednesday. Oh yeah, we love it. Last night's episode was good. Oh yeah. You know, I forget oftentimes because I'm not covering the Lions about certain players that they can do stories on. And one of my favorite players because of the family and reading up about his family when the kids were at USC is Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, it's a tremendous tale. Amon Ra Marinovich? Sort of, but it's working out. Sure. Right? So you're talking about a maniacal father. I've often said, like, I love my, my father's great, you know, great. But I've joked. Hey, wish LeVar Ball was my dad. Look at how good his kids are doing, right? How well his kids are doing. And John Brown is fascinating. And John Brown was featured with his kids in Hard Knocks. I love this guy. I love him. He's so awesome. There is a standard set by dad. You are going to work. His dad was a bodybuilder. Yeah. If you read stories, his dad, all, Olympia. it was very important for his dad. These are always touchy subjects. His dad has openly talked about he was going to find a mate to potentially pump out good athletes. Like, he was not messing He thought about it. And then you look at the kids. I mean, in the case of uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, who was really good in the second half of the year last year for the Lions, he's, a, he's like a bodybuilder. He's the kid is jacked. like – which maybe you know, it's, it's working out for, uh, for DK in Seattle. Maybe tone it down a notch. I mean, the, that guy's hardcore. Yes. I love him. Yes. He's he's completely jacked, and his brother Equinemius, uh, older brother, also works out with their dad. And they they're, they showed their dad kind of teaching them how to work out and going through the the workout from yesterday. No talking, no phones. You're here to work, and they they did make the point, And I thought I thought very intentionally to say when we leave the gym, he's just that. But in the gym, this is how he works, and we we do not mess around. Uh, and and I'm sure you you would agree, the best part of of Mr. Brown was just these stray bullets that Kevin Durant was catching. He basically said Kevin Durant doesn't do calf raises, and that's why he's got he Achilles he's got issues. Those, those tiny calves clearly has never done a calf raise in his life, and that's why he tore his Achilles. Um, well, one when he said it, I was like, "Be careful," because now you just jinx your kids. <laughs> sure. Two, I don't think that's exactly scientific. No, but he, he, I trust him on this. He looks like he knows. I don't know. I think he's worked out a time or two. The guy's insane. He's like 75 years old, and he's just a beast. Number two. I saw the uh, press conference uh, availability today, media availability today with the Raiders. I wasn't able to make it down. And, man, a lot of you guys were jonesing for the angle of, hey, the Patriots are in next week for a two-day scrimmage, and I know people are writing ahead. A lot of the players were like, hey, you know what, come on. It's, <laughs> by, it's, by the way, it's not a scrimmage practice. No, no. Um, but a lot, you know, people are trying to get some quotes ahead of time, and a lot of the players are like, I, I'm not even thinking about that. But I think a lot of it was based on the fact that didn't the Pats and the Panthers get into it in their joint practice? A couple times. Several fights and some good ones. Yesterday in their first practice, today uh, as, they, uh, as they continued. And, it, I mean – Look, it happens. I actually loved uh, Tyron Johnson's quote, basically saying, hey, it's hot. The guys are yelling at you. Your coaches are screaming. He's going to fight. Like, okay, settle, settle down. Uh, I don't know if that's the case. 
But on a, I don't know how serious, but a somewhat serious note, there was a fan injured in the fight today. Oh, is that right? Yeah. How? Uh, it was. It happened right over by the by the stands. Oh, uh, it was wow. a play out of bounds. Uh, Christian McCaffrey apparently got hit late, took exception, shoved somebody, and then they were shoving into a fan. Here we go, Belichick. <laughs> you know what? Don't come. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Belichick and McDaniel's are probably gonna lay out some. Are gravel they? Together are they? Before. Maybe. Are they? How many? You stole the GM, the OC, several assistants. That had to be approved. You don't think Belichick's going to take a little revenge? Is Derek Carr going to be in these practices? I'd be careful. I mean, I, yes, I think he will. I think that's where uh, they they plan on actually, you know, getting him some reps. By the way, I'm, the I'm, I'm laying it on thick because I, I was know. trying to set you up for a line that you sent over in the written copy. Have what, I done this do, before? What, do we really want them in town? Do we really want the Patriots here with all their menace, yep. menacing maneuvers? Uh, more importantly, is there the same history? Because there is a history with the Panthers and the Patriots. Mac Jones tried to break somebody's leg last year. And I have a feeling that kind of carried over, and it's why they were fighting. I could be wrong, but it seems like that kind of sparked the rivalry a little bit. I think it was Brian Burns that he tried to, tried to break his leg last year. So, do we want that thug? That thug quarterback of the Patriots in town? When he's trying to hurt people and potentially hurt fans? Boy, this is a good build-up. Chandler Jones exacts some revenge. Let's do it. <laughs> for for cutting him? You think he's still, still upset? Top story. Number one. How about Deshaun Bauer? Let's do it. Get him up in the media today. In front of the media today. He had, it's a, big, all, he had a big sack in the a, preseason. It's all the setup. We could have some ugliness next week between McDaniels and Team Belichick. God, that's, I mean, I hope so. It'll be fun to cover and write about. Be great. I just don't think that's going to happen. Tashawn Bauer got his sack in the game the other day, in the preseason game, so uh, got to meet the media. I'm sure you were at first just furious that he didn't go to Rutgers. He's a Jersey guy. He's a Jersey guy. What are you going to do? He went to LSU. I'm not going to get mad at him. <laughs> He's made it to the NFL. He's a good story. He's obviously got tremendous players in front of him, and uh, he was asked a question about, hey, what's that room like? Uh, I, I really like this answer, and I think it's something we need to delve into more about uh, positions and being tight and developing relationships. I think just off the field and, you know, in between meetings and stuff, we're, we're, you know, we're more together. Everyone isn't just, you know, right to their phone and stuff like that. You know, we're talking a lot about, you know, whatever we may need to do, you know, trying to get tips from Max and Chan, um, you know, or questions with coaches that, uh, we may not understand, but just really trying to hammer down every little thing before we go on the practice field so that we can execute at a high level. Am I too cheesy on this? Because you're a, I think you're a believer in, hey, just do your job. You don't have to be buddies. You don't have to be friends with your teammates. Yeah. Do you have to have chemistry? Do you have to have some relationships? I mean, I, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's necessary. But at the same time, I mean, I, I certainly have gotten to a point of being uh, – I'm blanking on a word. That's good as a writer. Does not remember what, what word is. I'm cynical enough. Yeah. Where I, they just say stuff. Everybody says this. Well, people it say just, it all the time. It just so happened I was talking to one of the defensive linemen from UNLV a couple days ago, Eliel Ahimere, who's one of the inside guys, um, and you know he brought up like the growth and 
the growth of the unit, they've been together for like two and three years now, some of the veterans, and he talked about, hey, spending more time together knowing the guys who are next to him. We're um, spending a lot more time together, which isn't, uh, isn't the norm, and I think it's really helped us on the field. So I think that's the biggest difference. Why is that important to spend time together? Why does the room have to be close and spend a lot of time with each other away from the field? I think the more you spend time with people, the more you understand how each other, how we tick, uh, what we like, what we don't like, uh, our tendencies even. Even if you're just hanging out, like those are things that you can pick up on. And then when it comes to the field, Obviously, we still talk ball off the field, but when it comes to the field, those types of things where you, need, you know the other person that's next to you. All right. So I'm very big on this. I know you're going to laugh at me, but I think there are I, – I think in sports it matters, especially when it's a unit. Like he brought up the example, he plays next to a guy at times named Naki Fahina, and he was talking about the way Naki rushes and that he adjusts because Naki rushes one way versus some other guys. So little, little stuff like that. You think they talked about that like during a game of Madden? I don't know. <laughs> no. I, that's maybe, that's on the field. Maybe, maybe they did. You developed that on the field. Maybe they did. I'm, I'm very big. I'm, I'm telling I, you. know, it's funny. You weren't around the other day. I was During a break, I was talking about this radio show, and I was mentioning, hey, like someone could have a criticism for some things we do on the show. And my response would be, I know everyone on the show. And I know what you guys are good at, and the show's a little bit different for each one of the co-hosts. Now, now part of that is I actually we not as much as we used to because now we're all you know we're all over the place, so we're not hanging out as much as we used to say like eight years ago. But I do think some chemistry off the air, away from the field, does help your relationship, does help the product. Yeah, because it's a it's a communication business. I mean, I th- well, so I football. Adam, listen, yes, but- listen to listen to defensive coaches and especially college, but I'm sure this is in the NFL. They say repeatedly, "You guys have to communicate," and they often point to, "Hey, our defensive players are communicating better than they used to." Because once the game starts and there's noise, like the coaches can't do much during a play. You can coach them up, but if you're not communicating, it doesn't work. No, I agree. I agree, it's it's that, but I I just feel like. When you talk about a radio show and potentially, you know, how that would come together, like you're talking off the air in the same manner that you would on the air. If you're football players, you're not in the activity of doing football things. You're you're talking and you're hanging out. It's a totally different experience. Well, there's a whole thing there, but we don't have time to go into the the machinations of a radio show. That you're speaking off the air like you do on. I don't think everyone does that. No, but you're you're getting a feel for like what somebody can talk about or can't talk about or is good at talking about or would prefer. Do all shows do that? Or do some shows just, hey, here's rundown. You're going to talk about what I want to talk about. Sure. I mean, that probably would be a bad show. Okay. (laughs) Well, but you throw it out there like like that's again. There are are times like, you know, I mean, whatever. We don't have to get into it on this show. But obviously, you know, you're here today. So it was like, hey, today's a good day for Grant Fuhrer. Let's talk a little bit of Leonard. I'm not going to freaking annihilate you with, you know, deep divey although we did talk to Caleb, but like super deep divey stuff on UNLV football just because I'm out there every day. And, and also, you don't, you don't come back at me every day, you know, when you're on and you're like, hey, we're doing UFC. I want to talk about, car, you know, fight number nine on the last card. That would just be stupid. Be, there was a contender's fight last night. Actually, there was a great story that developed during the show. We're, from we're blowing out the rest of the hour for the contender series. Well, no, Luke Rockhold just, just went scorched earth. Scorched earth. On the UFC today, that's 
fascinating, but it happened only like 45 minutes ago. So well, it's now it's in the run show. Now, now I'm intrigued. Let's do it. Now I'm intrigued. We're going to talk quarterbacking, especially in college with a guy named uh, Joey Roberts, who's a, uh, a young quarterback guru. He wrote a book with Yogi Roth about the five-star quarterbacks. And we wanted to get into, actually in the book, uh, UNLV quarterback Harrison Bailey is mentioned. But we're seeing a lot with college quarterbacks right now, the freaking pressure, NIL. We've just seen a rash of more quarterback transfers. So that's coming up in less than 10. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Rolling on from the Rampart Sportsbook. Great spot during the football season. Got the uh, drink specials, the beer specials, starting up on Thursday night football in the NFL. Every NFL game, you get $2 draft beers, $3 bottles, 15 bucks on the bucket of beer. The only buffet running right now in Summerlin. And then uh, $5.99 late night specials at Earl Grey, the cafe. Like, none of our restaurants are open late anymore. All the old shops, you know? So that goes midnight to 5, just uh, $5.99 for some overnight specials. Adam's here. It's Cofield. Boy, we've been talking about a lot of different things today. But earlier in the show, we were talking about quarterback situations in the NFL, but especially in college, and we were referencing UNLV, and we're getting interesting tweets on Harrison Bailey. Right? Oh, Tennessee quarterback. He doesn't have the job yet? The perception of quarterbacks is fascinating. Uh, This guy, Joey Roberts, wrote a book with uh, Yogi Roth, five-star quarterback. There's a lot to get into here about the pressure and the backstories of five-star quarterbacks, and it's only going to increase. Joey's up with uh, Cofield and company. How are you, sir? How are you guys doing? We're real good. Yeah, I'm glad you're on. First of all, I want you to give people your background because this is fascinating. You've had this really rapid ascent working with Elite 11. So talk about your background before we start moving into this whole discussion of the pressure now on the five-star quarterback. Uh, Highline background, I'd say it's like the Da Vinci Code. Quarterbacks, everyone wants to know about them. Everyone wants to find it out, but yet we never really find all the answers. So the past decade, we've been on an Elite 11, going to regionals, seeing over 500 quarterbacks a year, including Harrison Bailey, who you mentioned, and Jared Sidham, who's at the Raiders. Uh, And just you just start seeing commonalities, and you start seeing threads, and you realize when these parents reach out to you, there's no Google search for being a five-star quarterback. There's no Google search on how to handle the recruiting process. There's no... There really isn't uh, a guidebook. And when Yogi and I got together about three years ago, we just said, let's create that guidebook. And I don't know if you guys have read the uh, Tim Ferriss books, uh, like A Tribe of Mentors, Tools of the Titans. Um, he just kind of offers up a bunch of wisdom from people who have lived it, uh, who have seen it, who have done it. And that's what our, our mission was, was to get quarterbacks who lived it and then also get some ambassadors of the game, whether it's a Chip Kelly or Ryan Day uh, Herm Edwards, um, Dan Landing, and, and kind of just put it all together in a book and see see what comes back. And the feedback that's come back from parents and players and coaches are like, this book has been needed because um, we, we never know what's going to resonate with them. Did you, I mean, were you guys able to, through all this you know, work and talking to so many people, were you able to kind of find some threads of, you know, what the five-star guys that work out like to the highest degree and fulfill their potential uh, might have in common as opposed to maybe guys that don't fully live up to that potential? It's, it's a fascinating case study. So out of the 130 
five stars in the history of five stars and you and i we all know hey we can identify who's some five stars we remember them um the only one that's ever won a super bowl is matthew stafford uh so when it comes down to it all these commonalities and threads from the coaches and the daniel jeremiah's of the world they all say like it's bigger than quarterback you're so dependent on your left tackle your left guard your defense your special teams your head coach what if there's a coaching turnover a lot of these guys, unfortunately, they're the victim and at the mercy of the college coaching carousel. They have three coordinators in four years. They have two head coaches. They were recruited by one guy, and then they were told another thing. Um, so they're at the mercy of so many different variables. And you guys mentioned Harrison Bailey, and we'll jump into it. Like Harrison's story, like he was offered in eighth grade. So think of it like we we did the numbers and of the quarterbacks that we interviewed over 54 uh, of 54 10 percent so five of them were offered in eighth grade and Harrison's one of them so when you talk about six four he was probably 180 at the time but that stature Miami brought him on a visit and he was offered by Miami so Harrison's been carrying the the scholarship offer the full ride kind of face of the franchise quarterback um, since he was 13, 14 years old. Um, and we'll find you find a lot of commonalities with the guys that are quote-unquote um, down the road 20 years ago, 10 years ago, bust. It's like it really wasn't their fault. It was more the circumstances of the recruiting rankings and the fan bases only knowing what the recruiting rankings say and trusting that and realizing, like, this kid is so much – so much more dependent on everyone else to do their job rather than it's just this quarterback was a success or a bust. So when a five-star like Harrison Bailey you go somewhere, and we don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be for UNLV quite yet, uh, in general, when five stars transfer and then that next fan base is like, well, why isn't he starting right away? Like, What would you tell a fan like that? I would say um, the first checkpoint is just simply did he – did he leave because uh, the coaching staff that originally was there, did they recruit him or not? Um, perfect case in point with Harrison. Uh, so make sure that they're leaving for the reason of uh, the coaching staff or the university. And then the second thing is I would look back, uh, if you're the fan base, like I would look back on whatever reports were coming out of practice. Now, every coach in the nation if you have a five-star quarterback you're you're only going to give so much out to the media but there is a, a good sense of like the pulse of practice you guys live it i mean when you're at practice you understand who can throw it and who can't who can complete the ball so i would if i was your fan base go back to the university of tennessee and look back on training camps uh look back on the start that he had or start that he had and that's any five-star across the board um the advice that i'd give them and the overarching principle, I, I keep hammering it, and in the book it's mentioned, and there has been some great words from guys like Dr. Michael Gervais, who's a sports psychologist, Mark and Kim Holinsky, who head up Holinsky's Hope. Um, on the mental health side of things, um, the wellness side of things, like fan bases really understand that these guys are humans, and, yes, they carry the, the title, the label of a five-star quarterback or maybe the program savior if you're UNLV but at the end of the day, like, they wake up and they go to bed just like all of us. Yep. Uh, and they are dependent on so many variables happening, literally thousands of variables happening every day, whether it's the director of football ops, 
whether it's the sports nutritionist, whether it's their math teacher, all of those things kind of falling in place for them to be able to throw the touchdown to, to win the game. So that's our, the overarching principle is like these guys, you got to get to know them a little better, got to know them, uh, what they're doing now. And we had them write a, a part of the book, Dear 17 year old self. Um, and just reflect on, on their career. And like Harrison wrote, looking back on my first couple of years of college, I would tell you to not overthink of everything and that a lot of things will eventually come naturally. So within a couple of sentences, you can realize like at Tennessee, he was forcing things. Maybe it's because he, was, he wasn't ready to start. Maybe he was ready to start. Or maybe the, the coaching staff wasn't ready for him to start. Like all these right. variables that um, ultimately like, it, hopefully when you read the book and you hear the different perspectives and that are so far ranging that you're like, huh, I'm going to at least give a little patience on the quarterback development front when we get this anointed five-star kid and realize, like, he's probably not ready. He's not even ready within year two. Like, give him some time to develop. The book is Five-Star Quarterback, Joey Roberts along with Yogi Roth, the author's of the book uh just to stick with the unlv story real quickly we already went through this last year we had a hometown hero tate martell come back and you know i cover unlv football adam covers the raiders and he covers unlv but i would be out there at practice and i'd be tweeting about what was going on health wise with tate i would put out my perceived depth chart and even though i had tate because he was injured listed as the fifth or sixth quarterback People all the way up until the the, the, start, the first game of the season are like, well, Martell's starting, right? And I'm like, just follow the story. Don't make assumptions yep. that someone isn't automatic. I'm like, we're, we're I'm making it obvious without making it obvious. Amen. So you, I mean, the, the day-to-day, you guys see it all. I mean, you see the things that you can't say publicly, and you see the things you can't say publicly. You know the coaching staff. Um, Tay is a fascinating story. Um, if you guys were to, like, advice to the fan base, like, Bishop Gorman, you guys know this, they are a juggernaut. Like, they, they demolish teams. They're a nationally well-known uh, program. So that same statement of quarterbacks are so dependent, they're also, they can be uplifted by their supporting cast. So Tate's got All-Americans at, at receiver and, and on the defensive line and everything. So his production in high school was uplifted by an amazing program. And the same goes with St. John Bosco and Modern Day and all these big-time programs, Allen High School, Allen Murray, um, that you're, like, sitting there saying coaches at the high school level, if resourced properly, can literally make anyone anything at the quarterback position. So Tate's very talented. He, he, he tested well when he was with us. He did really well when he was with us at Elite 11. But it's one of those things that what – what is driving the five-star ranking is probably an early offer. He was offered by Washington, committed in eighth grade, decommitted, went to Texas A&M. And then that's the driver that usually starts everything. And then it's production, Gatorade Player of the Year, all this stuff that both those things, you're like, well, that's what one college thinks of you, and that's what one organization, i.e. Gatorade Player of the Year, thinks of you. Did that actually mean he can play the quarterback position? And up until this point, it was like, no. So... It's like be aware of statistics, be aware of production, be aware of accolades, and really trust you, the beat reporter, who's there every day and saying, like, I mean, trust your own two eyes. Like, hey, like, he can play or he can't. I wanted to get your thought on how NIL could impact guys like this and 
I think there's a natural assumption from people that all this money that's going to come in and, and go these guys' way could be dangerous and could be a really bad thing. Could it also be a good thing in that, hey, the pressure is off a little bit. Like, you you don't have to fight every second to try to make money at some point. You already are kind of getting paid, so it could take a little bit of the pressure off these guys. Uh, it's a, we, can, we can have a whole show on NIL. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, le- sure. we learned a lot. Um, we're kind of at the front end of uh, this tidal wave, or we're in the middle of the tidal wave, whatever you want to call it. Um, we addressed it in the book. We gave it our own chapter uh, because we, we got to see it like we're living it with these quarterbacks that are getting these big deals. And I would just caution uh, that it, I don't I think it makes the, the climb harder for these quarterbacks. I believe that Nico out of Long Beach Poly is going to Tennessee, $8 million quarterback, and Jaden Rashada going to Miami. When these numbers leak, just imagine that locker room before that kid has ever taken a snap. doesn't even know what dorm he's living in. He's already labeled the $8 million quarterback, the $9.5 million quarterback. When they go out on the town and they say, hey, let's grab a bite to eat, guess who's paying for that? Whether or not that money's real. Like, you, you know, you guys have heard the stories, like, what is real, what's not real, what's part of the contingency plan, what's based off starts, what's based off all this stuff. And it's a lot of these kids, it, it makes them mature so much faster. It makes their uh, family structure mature so much faster that I really wish that these, these numbers wouldn't have leaked um, the way they did because you're the running back from uh, an inner city school and you, you don't have any money. And you say, like, well, the quarterback's got money. And the quarterback's like, well, if I make it to year three, the money hits. Right. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't match because the kid just sees the social media post saying, well, you're the $9.5 million quarterback. Like, pay up. Like, take us out to dinner. So it's a, it's a smaller version of what we see when, remember, Sam Bradford was the first $50 million quarterback, never played a snap in the NFL, and he had $50 million guaranteed. We're seeing a scaled-down version, but it's actually amplified because these kids aren't emotionally intelligent enough to handle that, and their network isn't either. So it's only going to grow. It's only going to get more chaotic. We just tell them, please value your time. Like getting a a little $5,000 deal, $5,000 is a ton, to do some shoot uh, for a local place or a business, realize that's time coming out of the program. Your, your receivers, your offensive line, your film study, your coaches, your recruiting, everything in between, your family time, um, to value your time and to really understand, like, what message do you want to be a part of? Like, do you want to be a philanthropist? Do you want to be a part of doing something good? Or is it simply a bottom-line business to get as much money in the door, as much money out, but realize that's got a short tail as far as the joy that you're going to have in your locker room when they really need, you really need your teammates to go to bat for you. If you're out on photo shoots while they're working, what are the odds that they're going to go to bat for you? Joey, awesome job, man. That was a good spot. Everyone in the audience, Amazon.com. Five-star quarterback is the book. We really appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. There he is. Joey Roberts tied to Elite 11 and uh, working with Yogi Roth on this book. Check it out at Amazon.com. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. I mean, that's my guy. You know, I wish the market the best. You know, I was kind of sad, but, you know, as a business, everybody understands. So I'm pretty sure he'll be on some by the team by tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? So it's a business, and um, at the end of the day, you know, wish him the best, and, you know, we just go keep moving.
It's Cofield and Company, live at the Rampart Race and Sportsbook. So good conversation with the author of Five Star Quarterback, a look into, what was it, 130, he said? 135 star quarterbacks of the past, you know, family, the player themselves, ups, downs, guys who didn't live up to it. That's pretty amazing, too, that the guys they uh, tracked, only Matt Stafford actually delivered a Super Bowl. Pretty crazy. I mean, I mean, once they get to school, then they prove their wares, and you know, most of the time you're you're talking about top picks. Obviously, Tom Brady was the sixth round pick, so you know, guys do fall. Derek Carr was the second round pick, but uh, the five stars in college a lot of times are just they're not that much different than the four and, and three stars. And fans go freaking crazy over this stuff, and the rankings don't really mean a whole lot. They just they, don't. They don't, and they're influenced by. The other things like as as he was just saying there oftentimes if a guy starts getting offers in eighth grade by a miami or a texas a&m or an ohio state you'll just make them a five star they're like oh well, those want him he must be five star so they, they kind of work out that way too and on the unlv thing i hope i made it clear i was telling you last year on social media and on the air that tate martell was not going to be amongst the top three quarterbacks especially because he wasn't healthy. Yeah. And I could see him throwing in practice. I'm like, that is not a starting quarterback right now. And he, he just was never healthy. The difference this year with Harrison Bailey, I've been telling you, I don't think he's the number one, but he ain't far off. Yeah. So we're, we're getting a lot of, I can't believe a guy, you know, a transfer from Tennessee isn't the starting quarterback. Well, I can. And then we have quarterbacks on, like Caleb Herring, who's like, no matter where you go, they're running a different offense. You don't just walk in and understand the offense. And the thinking part of quarterback is so massive. Follow what Adam does in the discussion of the cohesion between Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels. Carr should be able to hit a different level if he can understand this offense. McDaniels has been raving about the fact that Carr has picked it up and picked it up really quick, but is also inquisitive and wants to learn. It'll be interesting to see how it turns out. Yeah, and and, I mean – and along those lines, a lot of it just comes back to, yeah, there's a system, but you also have to just make plays. And there'll, there'll be times when, oh, hey, there's a system. There's a play call. Well, I did this with Devontae in college. I'm just going to do that. Like, there is that. There is still that part of it, too. But you have to understand the framework of the system, what everybody's doing. You have to, as a quarterback, understand what everyone is doing, not just yourself. And that does take time. It is a process. Now, that being said, I myself would be shocked if at the end of the year, Harrison Bailey's not the starting quarterback. But he still has to work his way there. Okay. But I also am I'm a talent guy. I've always been a talent guy over right. understanding the system. And, and a lot of times you, you'll watch guys and say, okay, that guy is way better than that guy. But he doesn't understand the system. and he doesn't, He's not as familiar. And by understand, that's not a shot at a guy. It takes time. It's a long process to, to figure those things out, to learn those things. Um, I believe usually in the end talent wins out, but <laughs> we shall see. Well, good transition uh, to MMA. You mentioned something real quick about 40 minutes ago. Uh, Luke Rockhold, to me, is a talent guy. I don't know that he's a technique guy or a thinking man's fighter, and it's kind of played out in his career. He's had really super highs where he got you know, to the top of 185. Uh, now what's going on with him is he's uh, sort of on the edge of being out. Well, he, yeah, he doesn't really care anymore, so he's just saying what he wants to say. And there's, there's been a lot of pay, UFC fighter pay talk in the news lately, uh, including Dana White kind of blowing up about it the other day. And... Um, some of his comments were misinterpreted, but uh, a lot of it wasn't. And Luke Rockhold is speaking out. Now, I, I do love 
I there's almost nothing I love more because this happened to a couple other fighters who are very much, very much politically, are like you know for the big guy and not for the little guy. But then it's hey, where's my pay? Like add that up. Uh, so it's weird. But Luke Rockhold said this company is blanking, growing, and they're implementing other little stupid blank bonuses. Uh, 5,000 here, 5,000 there, 50,000. Man, we've been stuck in this blank for blanking 20 blanking years. I mean, back when GSP, Jake Shields, what was it, $100,000? Uh, then, then that's when that was growing. When Lorenzo and Frank Fertitta were running the show, there was real grounding wires. These guys don't know what the blank they're doing. They're just letting Dana run the show and suppress the sport. They need to grow. This whole blanking thing needs to grow together. Our lives are on the blanking line. Healthcare needs to be taken care of. Our blanking health needs to be taken care of. Mine has not been taken care of. And that was only the beginning, by the way. But you get the idea of where this went for a long time. Uh, then somebody else asked a question, and he goes, shut the blank up. You don't get to say you have a deal with the UFC, and you're not real media. <laughs> Like, okay, <laughs> settle down, <laughs> which is true and uh, interesting. Uh, I just, I, I think it's a fascinating story to follow in terms of fighters are finally, some of them, speaking out. But we'll see how, how much this continues and how much the UFC allows this to continue, which I think is an interesting part of this. How much do the fans get flamed? Let me do it the other way. The... How much? You know what I'm saying. Uh, Jake Paul, right, is a guy who's been fanning those flames, Good right? Swing. Good yeah. baseball swing. Well, I tried. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean Jake Paul's baseball swing. Yeah, I know. What's the deal? So he was out. Where was that? Uh, Marlins game. Taking batting practice? Yeah, he threw it the first pitch yesterday. So he, took, he got to take batting practice before the, the game. The, uh, the swing, and if people don't know who Jake Paul is, Kind of celebrity boxer, been fighting, you know, retired guys, and he he says he's making a lot of money. I think he is. He might be making money. They're not but, selling pay per views and they're not selling tickets, so it's yeah. weird. But but very braggadocious, and honestly, for a guy who brags that much, I think you should know your skills and avoid embarrassing moments because he didn't look good. No, and uh, interestingly enough, nothing was posted on his uh, his personal. Page. I didn't post that one. Huh? Uh, when he I, he was whiffing it horribly. Seemed, it huh? seemed like he, what he wanted. Yeah, it seemed like what he wanted was to hit a couple and then yeah. post it and say, "Look, I can do anything." Couldn't do it. Uh, there was somebody recording him and his camera people trying to film him. Nothing ever got posted. Yeah. but this person posted Someone it. Got it. And oh boy, Is he livid. Not only was he missing every pitch. Yeah, his swing was atrocious. It's, it's terrible. Atrocious. So I I often say. Look, I can watch a guy go like 0 for 15 on threes and say, yeah, he knows how to shoot. Like, he just understands shooting. It's just not going in right now. Same with baseball. You can watch a guy swing and miss 50 times. It'll be like, all right, his swing's good. He's going to hit it. He's just probably out of practice. This guy would never hit it. He looks like he's never swung a bat He would never hit it. It's terrible. That's why uh, covering MMA cracked me up sometimes because you could have these super high-level athletes who, but, you know, mostly like wrestlers or they were – Boxers, you know, which should be good for hand-eye, but if you don't play baseball, you never swing a bat, you never swing a golf club, you never pick up a tennis racket, you don't have it. So that's what always cracked me up. Who is the uh, – what's his name? Who is the wrestler or the character who tried to come in? Phil, what was his, what's his uh, character's name? Oh, uh, CM Punk? Yeah, CM Punk. And I, I, I remember watching him one time try to, like, address the MMA media about, like, athleticism and cutting weight, and I'm like, dude, you're not an athlete. No. You're an actor who's an acrobat, and you're good on the mic – and I'm not saying I could go and fight, but I could tell you watching Phil, I'm like you, you're not you're not a like a hand eye athlete. 
Yeah. No, and not everyone and is. Was, and he, it showed when he tried to fight, too. Uh, it wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't very good. He tried. I give him credit. Well, he, didn't fight a, he didn't fight a real fighter, really. He tried. It was, it was bad. He tried. Uh, yeah, what he did. Spe- uh, just real, real quick, it just popped yeah. to my mind. Speaking of uh, thinking you're an athlete or whatever, we were posing this question today. It was, uh, it was online. How many yards could you get if you got 10 carries in an NFL game? How many yards would you rush for? Now at my age? Yeah. Nothing. I would. It'd be like minus seventy. Actually, I, I would. It'd probably be minus four because I would get slammed and knocked out of the game. Well, I thought I thought minus thirty was about, about the right answer. But anybody that says like oh, six, seven, no, you're, no. no, no, in the NFL, because no. you'd probably you could just get where you're like seven yards back. You get the handoff like four yards back. That's it. 